0: Hi, this is your host, Corbin, and this is your guide for Kenneth Johnson's Steel. Now, for those of you who don't know, Steel is technically a spin-off Superman film. I did review the previous four Superman films, plus the Supergirl movie, a part of that continuity as well. All of that is linked below in the description for you to go and listen to. But I thought this review series would not be complete. Without reviewing Steel starring Shaquille O'Neal. Before we get into the making of the film, allow me to take you back to 1997 to remember the top movies released that year Titanic, which would go on to win Best Picture, Goodwill Hunting, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, which I just watched recently and thoroughly enjoyed, Perfect Blue, Hercules, The Fifth Element, Scream 2, Batman Forever, which I will actually be reviewing soon, Donnie Brasco, and Alien Resurrection. I can't say it's a great year for movies. I would say it's somewhat of a mixed bag. I do like a number of these movies that I listed off, but a lot of memorable ones that I still think have stuck with us all these years later. From that year, we have reviewed The Lost World Jurassic Park. Men in Black, Air Force One, and Tomorrow Never Dies. Links to those reviews are in the show notes below. If you'd like to reminisce more about the films of 97, then head over to letterbox.com. Make sure to follow me and Alan over there. Links to our profiles are below. At the 69th Academy Awards, Best Picture went to The English Patient. Last week, I mistakenly said the Salkins didn't want much to do with the Superman property after the rights reverted back to them once Superman Four became a bomb and canon went under. It was brought to my attention there was actually a Superboy TV show that premiered October 8th, 1988, and ended May 17th, 1992, produced by none other than the Salkins. I mean, their names are probably the first thing you see once you flip the episode on. It did last for 100 episodes across four seasons. The popular series was a reimagining of what Clark Kent would go on to do. After he graduated high school from Smallville, he did go to school seemingly with Lana Lang in this college of sorts in Florida, I believe. Jimmy Olsen and even Lex Luthor, they're all peers and contemporaries of each other. Of course, it doesn't follow the film's continuity whatsoever because he is known as Superboy, which is kind of ridiculous considering he's probably at least 20 years old. John Hames Newton played Clark Kent and Stacey Hudduck played his love interest, Lana Lang, which she was technically in 78 Superman and was the main love interest in Superman 3. I talked about both of those characters in those films. You can go back and listen to that. I did actually turn on the first episode. I played it. I even went ahead and sent a clip of it to my friends and one of them described it as being reminiscent of the acting in Troll 2. Lex Luthor's acting is pretty bad. Um, The entire show I found to be unwatchable for me. Something from 88 with TV-level budget. It was hokey as can be. The visual effects were awful. Um, Maybe I'm, I'm hoping it went on to be a lot better, and maybe for the time and for television, it was a really fun show to watch. Coming back to it all these years later, Superboy is not for me. I will... I will never be returning to Superboy. But of course, the franchise had to end in a lawsuit with Warner Brothers, which if you've been listening to the other guides, you'll know is no surprise. But it is available to stream for free on Tubi all four seasons. And of course, if you want to buy it, I a number of digital outlets, you can purchase the complete series. And as far as I know, that is the Salkins last Hurrah with the Superman franchise they had a you know a four season run that was pretty popular of course there's a huge fallout lawsuit that I'm not going to go into here but you can go read up that on Wikipedia if you would like but it was just over a little over a year later Lois and Clark the new adventures of Superman aired on ABC. It ran for four seasons and ended in June of 1997, almost exactly two months before Steel came out. It was a popular franchise, but ABC unexpectedly canceled it, leaving season four on a cliffhanger that would never be resolved. I did also watch part of that first episode. The first episode is theatrical length at an hour and a half. It seemed to be a lot more interesting. I would be much more interested in returning to that. Uh, than I would ever be to Superboy. And you could tell the production was better. It took itself more seriously. Superboy just seemed incredibly low budget, bottom of the barrel kind of stuff. Uh, Lois and Clark I knew was very popular. Um, The ratings did drop off after the wedding episode, spoiler alert. Um, I don't know if I'll ever go back to it, but from what I saw, uh, it looked to be like it was setting itself up for a fun series. Now, how does Steel with Shaq factor into this whole Superman universe? Well, Steel is not exactly a Superman movie. The fictional comic book character takes inspiration from Superman. The character John Henry Irons, a.k.a. Steel, first appeared in the Adventures of Superman issue 500 in June of 1993. So at the time, he was a relatively new character, and we know that Superman was still popular, his, the Superboy TV show had just ended, and Lois and Clark TV show was currently running on TV, so they were coming up with new characters in the comic books. He creates a mechanized suit that replicates Superman's powers, touting the S logo on his chest. After Superman was killed by Doomsday in the Zeitgeist comic, The Death of Superman, he sought to take his place, but as we all know, Superman came back to life, and the two became allies. Flash forward four years later, Superman had been missing from the big screen for a bit over 10 years, and Warner Brothers thought how better to reboot the franchise than with a spinoff featuring NBA superstar Shaquille O'Neal. Now, Warner Brothers had also tried this before with none other than Michael Jordan, who was probably more popular, but at the time Shaq was hugely popular as well. In the film Space Jam, Michael Jordan starred alongside the Looney Tunes characters, Alan and I actually reviewed both Space Jam movies. So if you're interested in knowing our thoughts on Space Jam, go ahead and check that out, which Space Jam had just come out in 1996. So this seemed to be kind of maybe a formula Warner Brothers was hoping to come up with. What if we could get a popular NBA star and put him in a children's property? Actually, music producer Quincy Jones, who worked with Michael Jackson and would go on to create the Fresh Prince of Bel Air TV show, and his partner David Saltzman came up with the idea to bring Steel to the big screen. But their first idea had Shaq playing Hardware, a lesser known DC character. Shaq told them he much more identified with Steel. He even has a Man of Steel Superman tattoo that I have read is. A real tattoo, not just for the film. He really does have a Superman tattoo. So they got production rolling. The producers got Kenneth Johnson to write and direct. He previously had experience with superheroes, but on a small screen. And the other side of the aisle, he directed a number of episodes for The Incredible Hulk, which is a Marvel property. He solely worked in television, save for his one other feature film, Short Circuit 2, which came out in 1988. So he hadn't made a theatrical movie in about 10 years. Johnson took great creative license with the character, either throwing out or adding new elements apart from the character's comic book origins. And of course, anybody would obviously see that based upon Shaq's costume and abilities and looking at his comic book origins, how he, and even not even the origins, but how he's typically always portrayed in the comic book is quite different. Shooting the film presented a challenge considering Shaq was, well, an NBA star, not a movie star. He had previously starred in Kazam, which had come out the year prior, and was somewhat of a success financially, I suppose. He read the script for this movie once through before competing in the 1996 Summer Olympics. Then he worked with an acting coach in between NBA games, so he would be ready for five weeks of shooting. Shaq also contributed a song to the soundtrack. His single, Men of Steel, which also features rappers KRS-One, Ice Cube, Be Real, and Peter Guns, was produced by Quincy Jones' record label, and it actually did chart on the Billboard 200 in the US. Well, if it wasn't somewhat hinted at already, Steel was very poorly received. And I mean that, like, truly, like, very poorly received, mostly by critics Audiences at the time when this came out straight out of the theater gave it a B, but a B is still pretty bad, especially for a movie that is supposed to be exciting and made for kids. Just for comparison's sake, Space Jam, get it? It's a different concept, but Space Jam had an A-, so audiences liked that a lot better. It also did abysmal at the box office. I mean, truly, truly awful. It only, opening weekend, it only grossed $870,000, did not even break a million, and it debuted at number 16 opening weekend. They also dumped this in a little over 1,200 theaters, which was probably a really bad idea. I mean, I get it. They don't have a big budget to work with. They had a $16 million budget, but at the same time, This probably should have been pushed out in more theaters. So opening weekend rolls around. It's August 15th through the 17th weekend. Nobody wants to go see steel. And I mean, per average, this movie made per theater about 690 bucks. Let's say a ticket is $5. I have no idea how much a ticket costs back in 1997, but if it's, but if it's five bucks being generous, that's only 138 people. Per theater, which seems to be still maybe even quite a bit for that. But yeah, I mean, you're probably filled up one showing per theater across the country. So what opened up that weekend that audiences were seeing instead? Well, Copland, Sylvester Stallone's big movie, Harvey Keitel's in it, a number of other famous people, 13.5 million. Air Force One uh, actually comes in at number two. Alan and I have reviewed that one as well. I really enjoy that one. Conspiracy Theory comes in at number three, being dethroned actually from number one the week prior. The thrillers starring Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts. Event Horizon also opened this weekend at number four, which I've still yet to see, but I've heard good things. Spawn comes in at number five. Now, say what you will about Spawn. I like Spawn, though. A couple other honorable mentions, George of the Jungle came in at number six, Men in Black came in at number seven, which we have reviewed. And then you can see Steel debuted all the way down with the likes of Good Burger, which was in its fourth week. And it had already dumped all the way down to number 15, which is pretty bad. And it did beat out the Lost World Jurassic Park. So that's saying something, I guess. It had been in the theater for 13 weeks so it had been in the theater for many months at this point <laughs> nevertheless it was still um doing uh, hey even batman and robin was in theaters number 23 and it had been in the theater for a little over two months so i'm gonna have fun talking about that that's pretty awful So how much did it gross altogether? Well, it did not stay in the theaters long. I have data it only being in the theaters for two weeks before it was pulled. And domestically, and I don't believe it was released in foreign markets. That wouldn't even make sense. In total, it only grossed $1.7 million. It was a true bomb. It grossed worse than even Supergirl. And Supergirl was considered a bomb at $14 million, you know, 10 years earlier. So this movie did truly awful. Um, critics, there, there's not even a meta score for it, but Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it a 12% approval rating, audiences at 19%, a truly abysmal IMDb rating of 2.9, and a Letterboxd rating of 1.4. So technically, that 1.4 is the lowest in the series as opposed to last week, but this is somewhat of a spin-off series it is a superman character but it's not about superman himself that's why i didn't count it last week but as you can see um people just straight up hated this movie across the board steel did earn one Razzie nomination jack got it and he deserved it Shaq is i'm, oh, I'm gonna save my thoughts for next week He was nominated for Worst Actor for his performance in the film, but he lost out against Kevin Costner for The Postman. Movie I did start. Haven't finished it yet. It's a, it's an interesting one. The only, like, highlight of the movie, it seems, is some critics did like Annabeth Gish's performance. Um, she's in a wheelchair the whole movie, and I don't know. Guess the New York Times liked it. San Francisco Chronicle praised her performance as well. That's about it. That's about the only one. Everybody said this came across like a sappy made for TV movie, which makes sense since that's the director is from the TV world and I'm sure he came cheap. Well, it has been 24 years and eight months since Steel came out. It's about to hit its 25th anniversary very soon this year actually, which uh yeah. 25 years since steel came out and i'm pretty sure everybody's pretty much forgotten about it but i'm here to review it next week so you're not going to want to miss that review thank you listeners for coming along with me as i've been your guide to the production and impact of this film now that you have your guide to steel make sure to subscribe to the podcast for my full review coming next monday and tune in the week after as superman returns